smaller so oh okay so i mean that's three seven two of them were seven and a half and an 828 so 21 8 29 so the 30, last one 31 had to be... 32 and the last one was it was almost a five pounder so okay. we probably had like 35 but yeah so the scale's good yeah and the only thing i didn't do is check the scale at home yeah. yet i actually have it at home and i uh Marcus checks it all, all the batteries time. and everything, so I'm going to check it again before yeah, Falcon. Because yeah. when I drop 40 at Falcon, I want it to be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> 40 at Falcon, calling it this week. Damn. Well, I already hit record, so everybody was hearing all that. So That's, that's good. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> back again this week, flipping mats, wading flats here at Fish Tackle Marine in San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Joe. We got Mikey G with us this week. What's up, guys? We got Jeff Jones. Again, I'm back. And Logan, I apologize. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Crow. Logan Crow. <laughs> well, that's easy enough. But uh, Jeff Jones and Logan, we got you all on this week because at our last Elite event on Choke Canyon, we talked about it a little, little last week on the podcast, but y'all two are the guys. Y'all are the big winners. Y'all weighed in the 33-pound bag, so... That's why we're here. That's why we got you here. We want to hear all about it. 3387. So almost 3387. I don't care what anybody says. If someone catches a 30 pound bag, you got to talk about it. So that's yeah. why we're here talking about it. So go ahead, Jeffrey Jones. Let's hear about it. <clears throat> so hold on. Before we start talking about that, to give everybody a little breakdown, remember last week when we were talking about, you know, thunderstorms and rain and should you go out or should you wait and be safe and all that well oh yeah we could hear about some of that yeah well these were the guys that said screw it we're going yeah and they put the boat they put the boat on the water and it paid off so let's start with that yeah i, th I think that's uh so we pulled up to the ramp and uh, i'm not gonna lie we, we pulled into callaham and uh there was water across the road and we were like oh man i hope there's not more than four or five boats sitting up here chilling but sure enough we came into callaham and Rolled around the corner and there must have been 20 kayaks and boaters yeah. all sitting there chilling in their trucks with their wipers going and taking a nap. So we rolled right up to the bathroom. I looked over at Logan. I was like, hey, man, let's go in there and check and see if we still have a pair. And so <laughs> we went in there and came out. I looked at him. He looked at me and I was like, you want to go? And he's like, yeah, we know what we're doing. Let's go. So we just battened down the hatches and started backing the boat up. And I guess that was the start of the freight train because everybody else decided that they wanted to catch any fish. They better launch their boat or their kayak right then. Yeah. So what time was this? 6.30 uh, on the dock. Yeah, we were 6 .30. late. Yeah, we were super late. I had to actually um, – so everybody in the club knows I drive a little fast. And <laughs> I, had to, I had to slow down on the way there because we wanted to be there at 6. And I think we rolled in the gate at like 6.15, 6.20. And we can start fishing, as you guys have talked about before, at 6.30. Yeah. At 5.15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So An hour and a half before sunrise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we launched the boat and went. Uh, it wasn't raining too bad, but there was a lot of lightning off in the distance. It felt safe um, for us. It looked fine. We'd actually fished. It wasn't the dangerous kind of lightning? It was that No, no, no. Maybe. It was definitely yeah. no wind. The lightning was way in the distance. And the funny part is, is uh, and we might talk about this later when we get time, but we fished uh, three previous weekends and thunderstorms out there. Damn. And so we kind of knew, like, well, th this is the kind of weather our fish want. So, so y'all well, were on the thunderstorm pattern then, huh? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but that's, that is crazy because I know, I guess we had been getting enough bad weather, but I know, like, when you don't get bad weather, and it doesn't matter, freshwater, saltwater, bass, catfish, redfish, trout, that lightning starts going, they don't like it. They it shut usually down. shuts the bite yeah. down, even if it hadn't started raining yet. Whatever that energy is or whatever that that lightning puts off, they, they don't like it. So then 
we got to talk about that a little bit because that's why I didn't go out. I was like, fish don't bite if there's lightning. Like, why am mm-hmm. I going to put myself in? Because, you know, when you're young and you're mad at them and you fish all the time, like, you're out there no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm a fair, fair weather fisherman I now. I don't I don't go out there like that. So when, as soon as I saw the flashes of lightning, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like, yeah. any stupid I'll ass that goes there. out there right now is just wasting his time anyway. And then here we are so, talking about <laughs> y'all started whacking them first thing in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So, so I ain't going to lie. We were doing the old school, uh, you know, <laughs> one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Do I hear thunder? Nope. Then it's still too far away to matter. Let's go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but I'll, I'll concur with you, though. If you see a lot of lightning, no wind, and it's real calm, like I would say, um, Logan probably backed me up. Like, there was no bite. You, you, sure. It had to be moving a little bit. If there was lightning right around close by, like anything that would scare us or safety, we, we were willing to go tuck and hide and get off the water. But everything was pretty far away. And, and I would say the previous three weekends of experience, taught us what was bad, what was good. Yeah. Because we did get run off the water the one weekend. And and uh, I don't know if uh, we didn't blame each other. Neither one of us had enough, uh, had, a, had a big enough pair to go back to our spot. And we lost Lunker Hunters because of that. It was mm. the previous two times we placed um, because we were willing to go back to our spot and hit it and ride it out. Yeah. Um, so we paid for that. And somebody else won money that, that stayed and, and pushed themselves through it. Instead, we went back in three and four foot rollers and, and got out of it as quick as we could and, and we should have just toughed it out because it didn't last but a few minutes but yeah i mean that's that's pretty much how we started but i tell you what when we rounded Callaham after we launched and it was like 638 639 we poked our head around i looked over at logan i was like hey you want you want to fish right here because yeah. we looked all the way out across there to the dam and i was like oh this is this, oh, this is gonna hurt yeah well, yeah we definitely got some exfoliation going on there on the way to the dam so <laughs> Uh, Logan, you, got your, you got your bowels knocked yeah dude. logan logan tucked down over there because you know i took the console out for everybody that rides in the boat for the uh so they could have more room but yeah i guess you suffer if, if uh if you're riding there and that was the slowest ride in my boat ever all the way to the dam hey but it worked out what do you think you were in like three footers no actually the it was it was almost nothing across there going across the flat it was like it was like this calming effect like the storm would kind of went around choke oh damn and so it was really weird uh i'd say it was pretty smooth ride overall it's just the rain was pelting us oh i see see. so hard and i had to ride like i don't know 40 miles an hour just to see oh damn so when y'all because what we we launched we we waited till like 8 30 to launch and when we were rolling out towards our offshore spot it was dude we were rolling through three footers at that point oh, so the wind picked up nothing. later morning so yeah. when y'all launched y'all were on on glass oh, basically yeah there was like, they were pretty blocked yeah it was pretty, pretty blocked almost nothing because i guess the front you know came in and yeah it was just kind of raining sitting there almost like what we drove into yeah um so we just got pelted with rain i wanted to make sure i could see the whole way right yeah. it's the driver i got to be safe and so, and I knew a good line that I had marked, but I don't depend on the Navionics that well. You want to make sure you can still see what you're doing at choke because you got those trees all the way down that left side and the yeah. islands on the right. Yeah. yeah. And so we were shooting out across there and I was actually upset. It took us 15, 20 minutes to get to the dam from Callahan. Mm. But it's funny yeah, to say. Normally that's like a six minute run. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's 75. That's yeah. Six, five, six minutes. <laughs> exactly. Right? And I'm on the spot. So the dam pops up. He, he raises his head when I slow down and then. I don't know, it was like maybe 642, 645 or something, and we make the first cast. And then, but it's funny, you say 830 when you launched at 735, we knew we had 25 pounds in the live well. Jeez. So yeah. it, was, it was crazy at that point. But I think Logan, you take over from there, I guess. Well, how, so yeah. you get into a yeah, offshore so, spot, you're fishing shallow. Talk about the technique or how y'all got your fish in the boat. It was definitely just a, a crankbait bite. Okay. So, okay. I mean, I was going to Carolina Rig at the beginning and. You know, Jeff, I put in three more keepers to get our five by 7.30, and Jeff 
pulled out the crankbait and put me away. But th- but that's good. That's good. You know, that's teamwork. That's partnership. Yeah. You know, it's always, especially offshore fishing, you know, mm-hmm. it always seems like the teams that do well until you get a certain thing figured out, you know, one guy dragging, one guy throwing a reaction bait or whatever until you narrow it down. That's, I mean, that's, that's kind of, uh, I don't want to say commonplace, but that's a definitely a really good way to go about it. That's a good way to put a 30 plus pound bag together. Absolutely. Too, you're also not just fishing um like with each other you're also cleaning up his his water you know if you're going over a spot and he's cranking it and then you're in the back of the boat dragging a carolina rig like you're gonna catch those fish that were spooked by by him hooking that last eight pounder you know they might not bite the next crankbait going by if they're not fired up but they'll 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 bite something that you're dragging behind him so yeah yeah i definitely say that's what we figured out is us fishing together and fishing different styles definitely has worked out the last three tournaments and then he pulled out a small crankbait and I just had lost a 10 pounder the previous tournament and he pulled out a crankbait, got him fired up. And we knew once he got that crankbait bite, I pull out the crankbait. And yeah. Once I pulled that out, I pulled in a six pounder. And after that, we just kind of had a pattern going for us and we used it, everything we got, you know. So you got on the spot at 640 something, 645 ish. And then by 730, you have 20 something pounds in the belt. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then and there was crankbait fish. Yeah. Yeah, I a think mixture. the early, I had, the had early the, ones were a mixture. Yeah, yeah, I had the. I think I caught a four pounder on a Carolina rig and Carolina rig. Uh, what were you dragging? Uh, what was it? The small ones, I think, were the yeah, early, the speed, the the speed worm, worm okay. looking thing. With gotcha. The weird paddle, little paddle tail, tail yeah. thing, like like yeah. a cinco with a paddle tail. Yeah, kind of, yeah, little zoom bait thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that ultra vibe speed worm yeah. or whatever yeah. they call yeah. it. Yeah. But I, I that's a good bait, dude. Great bait in the grass. Yeah. Josh well, likes to fish, but that's a great yeah, day yeah. anywhere, you know, even whole, drop shot. We had the whole area to ourselves. That was, that was, I think, key was like uh, we made a decision early to do something we hadn't done the last three weeks. I think was the key is, is uh, I looked at him and said, hey, I think, I think we got to push in like three weeks of fishing. We got to push in early. So we pushed in a little further that we couldn't do before because boats are out of the way and there's a nice ledge over there. So we pushed, we pushed in a little further than we normally do. Okay. And we fished that first as we kind of worked our way out. And like you just said, the angle and what you're doing, mm-hmm. but with no competition uh, for water, you could, you could throw anywhere. And the trick was the very long cast. Long, so long you could make the really long cast and work that bait. I think it wasn't until like eight thirty, like you said, that all the kayaks started showing, showing up. up. Yeah, and every and dude, there was a lot of them. And you were right in the middle of them. It was funny. So oh, on South Shore, yeah, yeah, they were all over us. I man, looked so. over, and you were like at the front of your boat, hanging on the front, like the captain of the boat out there, like way up top of the boat. And there was like I don't know, I swear, twenty yaks around you. There was there was just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and that's a big thing is just trying to yeah. share all that water. I mean, it's really tough yeah. to do and. And I'm not mad at them. They're out there trying to catch a giant like oh, I am. You know, it's yeah. just it's just got to learn how to share that water. You know. And, and you guys talked about that. I think uh, it's not the last one the podcast before, and it was funny. Logan was the calming person in the boat because uh, he he looked. I was like, I, I may have said a few choice words. I'm looking down. It's like, <laughs> I think a kayak got like 15 feet from my boat twice, like right in front of the boat where we're casting. Um, the wind had picked up a little bit, and there was another boat, like two boats in line with us, like behind us, and yeah. I'm like. I'm like, yo, bro, like, seriously, like, like, what are you doing? Yeah. And Logan's like, hey, man, you got, like, 28 pounds in the live well. Let's not worry about what they're doing. They'll go right by. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, like, not a single person and a couple club dudes came by, too, and they were, like, literally casting distance from me. Not, like, casting hard, like, casting distance close. Like, violating every rule in Bass Champs or anything else we fish. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, whatever, man, you're right. They, oh. they, they wouldn't catch anything. Talking about the boat that 
watched us catch every single fish, and they oh, like, yeah. followed us in a circle. Yeah, they nonstop. just kept pushing us out, so it was funny. They were, like, right behind us. It was it was funny because you look back over our right shoulder, and Logan's in the back of the boat trying to fish out that way, and he's like, like what the hell, man? He's like, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, hey, man, just throw up this way. And, like, like I'm trying to turn and look, and he's back there looking outside imaging, and we're trying to figure out, like, okay, where's the drop-off? Like, where are we fishing? And these dudes are lined up like right behind us, like train tracks all the way back behind us. And I throw out literally this huge long cast and I catch, that's when I caught the, the first one, well, I missed it. It literally bit. And I'm like, I think I just missed a fish on an 8XD. I was like, how do you, how do you do that? I got to call and ask Mike. And then, Cause I'm like the godfather here of big crankbaits here. I've been watching and I pull it in and I immediately just threw it back out like instantaneously. And I got lucky to hit the same spot and I'm yeah. pulling it in and this fish, hits and he's running the opposite direction i'm pulling and Damn. instantly all the line goes and it's like taking all the line oh, and i yeah. was like i was like what i think i caught a gar i'm like we're screwed nah, and i'm sitting strange. here like working this fish and i'm cranking like i actually got to move the drag and stuff i'm like this is cool this is what drags for. <laughs> I, was like, I was like i've never done this except for a catfish yeah so i'm like i'm pulling this fish in and everything and what loading. contest are you cranking with uh, 12 mostly on the 8 xd 12 and oh, 15 man, uh, brave, well i got that from you <laughs> everything i learned i was i've been listening to everything you guys talk about the big crankbaits and i'm like 12 and 15 pound of Vizinex from fish tackle marine got my last order in Vizinex. so yeah i literally re-spooled like every reel and i'm throwing six two ratios i'm throwing seven three gear ratios and it was like perfect for those like six and 300 dds nice. the yeah. 8xds you can feel the bottom. So I'm like pulling this fish in and Logan gets the net and he's like, Oh my God. Like this fish comes up and everything. The dudes behind us are like, yeah, man. That's awesome. <laughs> they're all like cheering and everything. I see Marcus and Tony down there. They're not cheering. And <laughs> <laughs> shots fired. And I, I mean, it was at this point, we had already had 25 pounds in the boat at least. So then I held it up and I was like, I had my Bassmasters moment, so I'm like, Tony! I'm like, <laughs> I'm like holding it up in the air, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute, they can see that. Like, I probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. But the guys behind us, I threw right back out immediately. Logan's like, hurry up, fish again. Because we had learned, like, once they got fired up, man, you've got to get your crankbait out there immediately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Next oh, cast, yeah. next cast, I caught a seven-pounder. So, I'm like, wow. Now, let me ask you this, because I noticed this happens with my partner and I a lot, Kyle. We... Do y'all notice fishing together that it always seems like one of y'all in the boat has the hot hand? Like it, it's it's never it's never equal. So Kyle yeah. Kyle and I talk about this all the time. We look back at all the tournaments we've ever done good in, and it never fails. One of us usually catches like four or five of the fish, even though yeah. we're a team. Someone always has that hot hand, and and someone always seems to catch a few more fish than the other guy. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I've noticed is learning who has that hot hand. Like when we get in a situation, cause I'm a, I'm the backseater in our partner, in our partnership. I, I, I'm always in the back of the boat, but I notice like when he gets on that roll, kind of like you were talking about fire that crankbait out there, you get bit, you get that thing back out in there. It gets to the point to where like I'll net the fish 
I'll undo his crankbait and I'll go to calling the yeah, fish. Yeah. Dude, get your bait back yeah, out there. Yeah. Go, go. Yeah. I mean, you've got the hot hand. Keep bringing them in. Like I tell them, like we, we talk about it all the time. Dude, I'll catch all five of them in the net. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I'll get all five yeah, of them. You fish it for money. It doesn't yeah. matter who's catching those fish, dude. And it's very, like, what, what are you going to do? Like, try to get your crankbait out of the net and everything. Yeah. And then your partner is trying to unsleeve his crankbait rod and set the drag. Like, dude, sometimes that bite only lasts like three to five minutes, dude. Yes. Like, you can catch three giant, like those two eights that I caught on that uh, Stanky's. Uh, the, uh, the fundraiser that we did yeah i mean that was yeah. 19 pounds for three fish you know but uh, it was like a four pounder and the other two were like the heavy sevens or whatever they were um but those two fish bit like as soon as i undid the first fish threw them in the live one cranked right back out there within like the next three or four minutes and then i had that other one on and it was over with like i never and then i stayed there for another hour and never got a bite yeah but if you're over there messing around trying to get your crankbait on while your partner's trying to get his crank rate bait rod ready like dude you're burning you're burning fish right there at that point and dude. see so, you you see the guys like on the elite series and the bp well the bpt they're catch weigh and release now but you see the guys like on the on the elite series and like the mlf invitationals mm -hmm. and stuff i think because that's so important you know how how once they start biting, it happens so fast. Yeah. I think that's how those guys make those mistakes and make that cast with that sixth fish in yep. the boat. Yep, exactly. You know, they're not doing it intentionally, but they know in yeah. their mind, dude, I got to get back out there, get back out there. And they'll unhook that fish and throw it in the live well and then go, oh, crap, I didn't call. Yep, exactly. Or think about KVD when he was on Toledo Bend. He hooked himself with that 10XD. You remember that? Yeah. And every, when you watch him catch those fish, you see him, like he's one of the quickest people who call, like who can call. And, and and really sometimes if he's on big fish, he's just throwing fish out by, by eyesight. Yes. Know? Because he knows it's that much more important to go back, get back in on when those fish are firing like that, dude. Um, than to be messing around being trying to get ounces out of something, dude. And you, and on that one where he hooked himself with that 10XD, he was in a hurry to unhook an 8-pounder because like, I got to get back out there now. We got to get back out there. So if you watch KVD when he catches these giant bags, he talks about he's always bringing it up about how fast you got to get back on those fish. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think Logan can definitely attest to that, talking about Lunker Hunters probably and, and then yeah. the club tournament for, for sure. But it's funny you mentioned that because I think the first fish I caught – we dropped in the live well without putting my little cold tag on there because it, yeah. it was so big. I was like, hey, we're not going to call yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, now, Logan, I want to hear a little bit about you, man. I know uh, you've been a member in Elite Bass Club before. You've been absent a couple of years. I know you had a couple babies and stuff like that. So are you, you getting back into it? It kind of – So what's actually or what, What's is, your story? What's funny is me and my dad had actually just been talking about taking a break from tournament fishing – I was fishing bass champs a couple times, and then a lead and locker hunters every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I ran into you. At, uh, you fished a choke one. <clears throat> yeah, fish we, choke. we did the stank, stanky guide service yeah, and yeah. all that. And uh, I just got through texting my dad, telling him we're going to take a break and try to get everything worked out. And Jeff texts me at 4 a.m. It's like, hey, man, you want to you wanna go fishing? I was like, <laughs> and you're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> I looked at my old lady, and she's like, just go. Just go. And I was like, all right. So, yeah. So yeah, I, I, that's the first I, thing I had, I've ever heard about your old lady, dude. But that sounds like a good woman right I, there. Dude. I, had, I had somebody cancel at the last second, will not show up, and I was like, "Well, we were just talking about fishing, and if he really likes fishing, he'll answer the phone." So, yep, yep exactly. <laughs> sure. Sure. After that, we fished three consistent uh, consecutive weekends in a row, and ever and, since then, we've been pretty consistent. Like y'all were talking about earlier, I mean, the crankbait bite. I took his fish off and I put in the live well. I was throwing the same crankbait close to it and i couldn't get a fish so, yeah i mean 
pivot during lunker hunters. So you talk about that, like who's on, who's not, and who's like, I'm in the front of the boat operating the boat and like, he'll jump up there if he has to and, and operate the boat. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, I got it's a big enough boat. Right. But he's back there, he's doing his thing. And then lunker hunters. So two out of those three tournaments, we placed in the money and then the club tournament. Right. And one time when we were too scared to run back where we needed to after the storm, we, we would have placed in that one too. I guarantee it. We, uh, He's throwing the exact same Carolina rig I am, a, a slightly, probably shorter trailer overall or something like that. I, I couldn't get bit. Like we're throwing, I mean, literally our baits are landing next to each other. Mm-hmm. I can't get bit and he's catching all the fish. So I'm like unhooking. I'm like, no, man, go fish. Like, yeah. go fish, go fish. Like you're, you got the hot hand. Yeah, just go. keep it going. Mm-hmm. Keep yeah, it going. It just, I mean, it, it worked out. But like every bit of that, he said 10 pounder, but it's literally probably the biggest bass I've ever seen close to my boat that jumped up at the boat. Like it was probably one of those mythical <laughs> so 13 14 pounders they talk about yeah, i've never yeah. seen anything so big and that's why we've been back on the the, the general area um down by the dam because like i don't know they've been moving through there and then oh, yeah. one week they're like not there and that's when mike g's like you're welcome to getting your heart broke crank baiting <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so. well it'll mess you up because you know when you catch them real good offshore like that um and i've been on this for like the last three years like I, you don't find me shallow normally you know and it's just because you know what you can catch out there and yeah. it's and it's 30 and it's and it's consistent 30 pound bags like you i mean i'm not saying you do it consistently but when you have a good day offshore it's a high 20s possibly 30 pound bag day to where when you're a good day fishing uh shallow is you know what i don't know yeah 13 to 20 pound bag is See, like you went back them today yeah. you know looking and, for a kicker yeah well, and that's that's the that's the to me that's the intrigue of fishing offshore because my partner and i don't really fish shallow very much either and that's one of the things it's like, like choke when it's got all the grass in it and it's hot, you know, yeah, don't get me wrong, dude, yep. going up shallow and throwing that swim bait or that frog. I mean, it's fun. Okay. But like you said, I feel like, man, I'm going to max out at probably like 17, 18 pounds, yeah. 20 pounds. If I catch a six, yep, but you slide out to that offshore hump and it's like, mm-hmm. man, I don't really know what's out here, yeah. but if they're here, now I feel like I can top out at 28 to 30 pounds exactly. instead of 18 to 20. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, we don't we don't drive all the way down there to fish for second place. So no, of course not. Or at least I don't, no. you know. No, there's there's I mean, none of the trails that are around here. I mean, I I mean not not to say like even champs, you're not trying for angler of the year, but I think you're always in champs, you're always fishing to win. There's never there's no point. I mean, if you win angler of the year, it's just because you got really close to winning. Yeah, times, so choke you know? so the way Bass Champs works is if you win angler of the year you receive free entries for the next year. So, I mean, it is a value. I mean, it'd be a $1,200 or $1,400 value. But, I mean, dude, if you look at the guys that win Angler of the Year in that thing, I mean, those guys finish like top 20 all four tournaments. It is like... It's tough. That's what I'm saying. But every one of those tournaments, they were fishing to win the tournament. They weren't Absolutely. fishing to get Angler of the Year. Absolutely. They weren't trying to finish top five to get Angler. Of the year. They were fishing no. to win everyone. I'm saying there's people, even when I was a, a marshal, like when the elites came through, when the last time they were on Travis with that big bass event, uh, being an instrument in Roseboat, he was talking about just fishing for points to make the classic. Like yeah. he, was, he was like, I'm not, dude, I'm too old. I've been, I've been doing this for too long. Like I'm fishing to, maybe I shouldn't be saying that out loud, but. And this was years ago, but this is a guy that like we, we grew up watching throw big swim baits. He Absolutely. went to Del Rio and showed the world with flipping what, that big old yeah. eight inch white tube and all exactly. that stuff. Weighing in thirty five pound bags at Amistad, and he's the one who turned. I mean, they're they well the local guys knew what was going on, but he exposed that to to the world really, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, and then you're in his boat, and he used when he was young and on fire. This guy's you know 
winning events and he's fishing his heart out. Now you, he's on the boat, just throwing a top water, relaxed all day, kicking it. You're like, I'm just fishing to be in the top, you know, 25, you know, I'm not trying to win because, but, and he says that, and I, I guess I even say all that to drive home the point that winning's not easy, dude. Like, well, even, in, the, even the, in these local clubs, you well, know? and the thing is like, you know, when you fish the elite series, the Bass Pro Tour, yeah. the MLF Invitational, stuff like that, I mean, those guys are fishing for their life. Yeah. Not only money wise, but dude, if you don't finish high enough in the angler of the year standings yeah. for your two years, you get kicked off and then you got to requalify. I mean, I don't have to worry about kick, getting kicked off bass champs as long as I show up with my 350 yeah. bucks. They're yeah, like exactly. me fish. Yeah, exactly. But you know, so like you talk about ish, right. You yeah. know, saying, dude, I'm fishing for points. I'm fishing for the classic. Well, yeah, that's because if you go fish the classic, everybody's guaranteed a $10,000 paycheck and it's a no entry tournament. <laughs> yeah. So, Hey, by me qualify. Yeah. I can't win Travis, but I can salvage enough points. And what it, I just got me a $10,000 check. Cause I stayed in the classic cut. Yep. And if you're in the classic, then you know, those sponsors are happy whenever you're working in loses. That's like right. That. And we don't have to, you know, <laughs> us being local guys, we don't have to, all that stuff doesn't come into our minds. No. Uh, but you know, even back to the point, like, winning and even in this club like at least i mean josh you're in our club dude you've won multiple bass champs like that's the caliber of fishermen but you if you fish in our club like it's hard to win in the club dude. so like, there's some i solid don't fish anglers. i don't fish a bunch of club tournaments uh just time and everything else but yeah. i have fished probably i don't know since i joined the club in God, I joined like the second or third year at Open yeah. back when, you know, Will was still president of the club and all that. Back <laughs> yeah. when we were having meetings at Bass Pro yeah, and all yeah. that. that was Actually, back, back when day. we were having meetings at Ruben's Tackle Shop. Oh, damn. You know, you're back to 2010. Yeah. Dude. I mean, we're talking way back. But like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've my partner and I have done very well and we've done and I still best best I've ever finished in our in our club second place. <laughs> yeah. I've never won yeah. one of our club tournaments. But I mean, that's because. The guys that fish in our club, I mean, I look at you, Jeff, Mikey G, uh, the Westalls, Tim and Greg Sr., uh, John McGee, you know, all these guys that fish in the club regularly. I mean, y'all Matt, guys. Matt Rigby's been fishing with us the last three years. And y'all guy guys hammer. fish all the time. Yeah. Not, not like just, I shouldn't say y'all fish all the time, but y'all are definitely on the water a lot more than I am. Yeah. And it's like. You have to do that if you want to compete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I missed this weekend, and I don't remember the last time I missed a weekend of fishing. It's been pretty upsetting <laughs> right now. So Yeah. So like, you had to get your picks and come on the show and talk well, about fishing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Exactly. So when I got the message, I was, I was pretty excited. Uh, the in-laws are at home right now, and I was like, sorry, I got the podcast. Well, but, like, yeah. like we were talking about Elite. So like last year in 2022, I fished the first tournament at Medina. Yeah. I fished with Jeff. I think we ended up getting like fourth or fifth or something like that. I still remember Jeff looking at me in the back of the boat going, what the hell are you throwing? I'll throw it a shaky head with a trick worm. Dude, that Medina special, bro. Dude, that thing catches yeah, fish. It does. Trick worm is bigger than all the fish I catch in Medina. <laughs> exactly. But it gets yeah. bit, dude. Oh, yeah. But so we, I fished the first one with him. Yeah. And I fished the last one in December. Uh, in 22? In 22. Okay. I think it was – no, it was the second to last one uh, – November. Okay. No, it was December because mm -hmm. we had the club tournament and then the, Kyle and the I got open. second in the club tournament uh -huh. and then the next weekend was the open. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. yeah Something yeah, like yeah. that. That's what yeah. we went down That's what you did. Yeah. 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 So I fished the first and the last. Yeah. Like John McGee says, actively inactive. I'm here. <laughs> but you fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, but I fish. 
and and we got so so part of my big effort so i'm the new guy right i came in summer of 2020 yeah so i met some folks uh marcus and tony yeah. marcus through facebook and got kind of pulled into the club so and i think i saw logan was in the club and a few other folks so that's kind of how i met logan and then talking through lunker hunters and facebook uh, you know social media connecting everyone josh and you guys and and fishing you guys have brought me in my family i know i've heard you talk with like joe coming to town and everybody and meeting up and fishing with the club i wish i wouldn't have sold my boat before i moved here and started years ago but <laughs> we, we are we are now so it's pretty cool but and then yeah you know, man you can't regret those things yeah, look at what you're doing now yeah. like you're, you're and i got logan back in the club yeah. right so the whole goal is to grow the club right get yeah. more people back in the club so super excited that i've been able to fish with with logan so we're gonna try to get him down to uh coletto after falcon so falcon's up next that's a tough one for a lot of folks to get out of town but then we got coletto so hopefully uh more folks that listen and get this out there will join the club yeah we listen got, we got some sticks man coletto's coletto's no not much better than going to falcon dude that's yeah. a far ass i hate driving and the water's club. up the water's over over the banks by four inches <laughs> is so it really come down oh there and flip, flip some grass man come come coletto flip some some grass, right? flip some coletto. yeah for oh, real geez. for real there may or may not be some little pads if you know where you're going that's right yeah. <laughs> just don't ask marcus where to go he's gonna send you way up the river yeah you don't want to like you yeah. the john McGee yeah listen to Marcus. Hey. <laughs> Jeff, thanks, thanks for bringing all that food too. Dude. You want to talk about how we secured thirty-three pound bag? Yep, we're going to do that here in just a second. We're going to take our first break. I'm going to let the laptop catch up real quick, and then we're going to go into the thirty-pound bag. All right. all right, back from the first break. Back from the first break. Back, back with the Jackhammer Jones. Jackhammer Jones and Logan Crow. Here we go. But no, Logan, right before we cut off for the first segment, yeah, no, let's get into that 30-pound bag, man. I, I really want to know. So we talked a little bit, then we got off the railroad tracks like we normally do. But So y'all talked about, y'all got there at like 6.45 that morning. By 7.30 or so, y'all had 20, mid-20-pound bag probably. Deep diving crankbaits, Carolina rigs, stuff like that. So from that point, now that y'all got 25 pounds in the boat, it's still early. Y'all got what seven hours to fish or whatever so what's what's the next step what what, what happens now so long story short you know we listen to people at tournaments about what they catch them on and the advice they give and we looked at each other and asked what are we going to do to get some bigger fish in this boat and uh jeff looked at me he said tie on a flute i tied on the flute for about a good five minutes couldn't do it i i just wasn't <laughs> feeling it yeah so jeff pulled out his carolina rig and tied on one flute and he cast it the first time bird nesting gave up put that pole away pulled out another one threw it again bird nested again we just got through having a conversation that i like i get bird nests out I, my dad does it to me all the time i i showed up to tournaments and i got bird nests in my reels because my dad left them so <laughs> didn't tell you nope. you just we'll put that one down <laughs> on the deck reels it all nice and neat yeah. good, you know? so jeff says you know he throws it on the bottom of the boat gets a little upset so i picked the rod up he's like you can do it if you want i get the bird nest out and I think Jeff was a little confused because I get the bird nest out after about five minutes working on it. He's like, hey, man, just put it down. Let's, we got to get some more fish. I was like, okay. So I finally get it out. As soon as I reel it in, I just feel something tug on it. I was like, mm, this isn't normal. So I rear back it in, set the hook, and sure enough, I'm like, net, net. Just <laughs> yeah. like, he freezes in the middle of the boat. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, get the net. Let's. Get the net and he's like what sure enough this fish comes jumps up 
it was a seven, I think it was 767 or something yeah, like that. Something, it was almost eight pounds. So you caught a seven pounder on Jeff's rod, picking out his back. His very back That's right. That's what Jeez. Those are the best feelings, though, dude. Because I remember I, I threw a dip when I was in California once. And I got a bird nest up. And I just picked it out. Sure out there dead dude, sticking. No bullshit, dude. As soon as I picked it out, reeled in two cranks, and it was on. Yeah. It was like a six and a half. Yeah, I was like, uh, so we didn't know what else to do, and it was pretty much exactly like Logan said. I was like, let's just throw the biggest bait in the in the boat, right? I think I had a 10 and 12-inch worm in the boat that we hadn't got out yet, and those new Busa six-inch baits, thanks to Fish Tackle Marine, but those nine, I think they're like 9.6 inches nine. or something. So, And he had some of those, but we kept catching drum. And I was like, <laughs> no, we got to move. But then there was too many boats pressuring, right? So we threw a seven-inch fluke on like a 36 inch trailer or something I had on there. The right? big mag fluke. Yeah. The big mag flukes. But I've been throwing crankbaits, like, I don't know, 50, 60 feet away from the boat. Like for so long that morning, my hands are cramping. I like grab that thing and I go to throw a Carolina rig with a 36 inch trailer. And it was literally like instant backlash. And I'm like, you piece of crap. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm going back to cranking where I catch fish. And then I just threw the rod down. Hey, but you know, so y'all catch that seven, what, 760 something? 767. Something so like that, that puts y'all probably, what, close to 30 now? I think that's when we hit. I, I text my dad and yeah. said we were at 32 pounds. Because, and... I mean, what, so when y'all caught that 760, what did it call out? I oh, man, big fish. Like, we, <laughs> I had my coal bar out and we kept using those little coal tags and stuff because I don't use a scale during the day because I'm trying to call as fast as possible, right? Like, yeah. I watch, like we were talking about earlier, like, I watch Greg Hackney and those guys and they're like, super cold and fast and i'm like no i got the coal bar and this i just put the fish on the coal bar and i'm like dude we just i think we called the wrong fish i think at we, one point. yeah i think we called like a five six pounder i'm like uh are we calling the right fish like we need to reach down the live well but when you go to reach in the live well and it's blocked by fish i was like yeah. uh yeah. i was like those are good problems to have though i know yeah. i was like i was like first world problems i look at logan i was like dude i think we got 30 30 pounds and he's like oh my god yeah we definitely got 30 pounds and we're looking in there like is this the big one and he pulls one up he's like no no no, that's not the big one and i'm like the hell dude do we <laughs> like what are we doing right now because we definitely like um we're we're both like, like he done bass champs and i do bass champs every year and so we're in that like automatic mindset you flip a boat i mean you flip a fish in you got a call you immediately call you figure it out and you throw it and so we were in that routine of just like okay check fish check fish and then we were trying to keep track of which color on the coal bar was supposed to be the next the next fish. But every time we pulled one in, we were it was like a drastic difference. And I'm like, Yeah, uh, yeah. Which one are we calling? <laughs> we have we we have one coal ball on our boat that's pink. And it always goes on like the 14 inch or you know, the one that's barely squeaking. That way we know. Well, I think but, that was our biggest problem is I mean But you're right. When you yeah. when you talk about getting to 30 plus pounds because like for instance last month at bass champs we had 21 something and we still had a fish that was relatively small we had one that was like two and a half pounds so it wasn't hard to look in there and go okay that's the little one you know when when you've got a two and a half pounder sitting in there next to a six pounder and a five pounder but when you're talking about getting up into the high 20s and 30s i mean the smallest fish you have in there at that point is maybe four four and a half pounds five pounds so yeah, you open that live well lid, and you just got a bunch of logs laying in there is yeah. what it looks like, and it, it is hard to tell. Yeah. Like, like you said, there, there was one hiding underneath on the, I think, the left live well. He was like, hey, is that, that's the smallest one. I was like, oh, man, I don't know. We just threw back a five-pounder, and I think he threw three or four five-pounders back right after 
yeah. the other ones. And then one of them kept turning, like one of the seven pounders kept turning over on its side. So I had to get out the weights. So we started putting those little clip weights on, mm. which to be honest, I bought all that stuff and like the fizz needle and everything thinking I would use it someday and just never used it. So I'm like taking stuff out of packaging and I'm like, I'm like, I've seen the videos. Like, let me figure, so, out, so like, let me figure out how to use it. <laughs> believe it or not. And this is just a quick tip. Anybody listening, fizz and fish. Kyle is a friggin' master at it. He does all the fizzing. I don't do I don't do that. But it it Bassmaster did a a write-up on it. They had a whole class and invited all the elite series guys. Anybody who fished Bassmaster could go. And I, I in my mind, I was always like, dude, this has got to be like dangerous. If I put that friggin' needle in the wrong spot, you know, it's gonna I was scared I was gonna kill the fish, but no, literally lay the fish on the deck of the boat. The side fin, the dorsal. dorsal. No, dorsal's on the back, like flipper. Dorsal. Oh, yeah. the, I think I just I catch the fish. The, the, the two the, the, the two fins on the side, like their arms. Okay. You just lay the fin straight back, count back three or four scales right behind the tip of that fin, and just slide the needle in. And then submerge the whole fish in the water in the live well, and you'll see the bubbles come out of the top of the needle. And then just pull that while it's under the water. Just pull the needle out, and whoop, they flip straight back up. Yeah, this guy was just mad. Like we put the we put two weights on him. Yeah, because like we have bottom, we have those went down and stayed fine. We have those yeah. those thin clips too, or whatever that they call them. The biggest problem we have with those is just keeping them on the damn fish. Yep. Yeah. Like you clip them on there, and then he goes and swims around or whatever. And if they stay on them long enough, they work. But when you got thirty pounds all banging around in a live well. You'll, you'll check it two minutes later, and he's already kicked one off, so the one weight has him turned sideways, mm-hmm. and that's why, I mean, the fizzing is, but, yeah, it's that's crazy. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not really familiar with a lot of the boats the guys have, but I've been in a few of them, Skeeters and the, the old champions, and I am thankful for the Basket Live Oil because it's extremely deep in that triangle design. Yes. And it's the first time I've ever had that many fish in a live oil or that much weight, and they did it did hold up really well because we, we turned off the – aerate and did recirculate and we had g juice in there and all that and we made sure we kept the water going um and, and just kept up with fish which was i mean we have that much weight we're both paranoid so it was like i swear every 15 minutes we were oh, like yeah. are they still there are they good like oh yeah like, where are they gonna go yeah. <laughs> yeah when you when you get a bag 20 pounds plus i i mean me being the back seater i'm all like you said every 10 or 15 minutes i'm opening that lid because it's underneath my feet just checking you know just make sure well, especially it being so hot too. Well, well that's the was, that's the other thing too. We're getting into the summer, and what you said, a lot of people don't do. A lot of people just fill up the live wells, and then they turn the aerator on all day. Well, dude, that water gets hot running through that aerator all day. So taking the time, turning the aerator on, and then all these boats have overflows in them. So you just flip the pump on, and just if you pump fresh water in there for five or 10 minutes, it'll mix. And a lot of that hot water will drain out the overflow and all that stuff. And it does help putting that fresh water. I mean, there's nothing more oxygenated than the fresh water that you're pumping in there. So, yeah, I think uh, that was the big win for us was, you know, not killing any fish, um, taking care of the fish really well, and, uh, run and recirculate correctly. You know, when we move around and, and aerating correctly, keeping bubbles out, that type of thing. And dude, that G juice is the real deal. Yeah. And then we had to use, um, I think at one point, I can't remember if this was the trip where we put, um, some soda in there or we dumped G juice in the fish. 
So a couple of the fish we caught, the like literally the 8XD was gone. It was in the fish's mouth. <laughs> and so when you're throwing a 6-2, when I was throwing the 6-2 crankbait or the 6-2 gear ratio, the crankbait was all the way down in the fish's mouth. Like he had hit it so hard, so quick that it went out the gills and came back in when we, when we pulled back because you didn't have to set the hook. And so it literally, like when the fish came in the boat, the crankbait was all the way down in its mouth and it was hooked, uh, just barely coming out. And you can see the front of the, the, the bill on the crankbait, or you can see the line. And Logan's like, hey, it's like bleeding everywhere. I'm like, where, where's it bleeding from? Like, I see no blood inside yeah. the fish, but it's just like bleeding out everywhere. And we're like, what the heck? So we're like trying to get it in the live well and make sure we're not going to have a problem because these are big fish. Yeah. And so we're like dumping G-Juice like right on the fish and putting it in there because I didn't have any. I know like Mountain Dew is a big yeah. thing we talk about and it works. And I usually keep something like that in the boat. But, yeah. And then we use the the... Was it like Sure Life or Keep Alive? The Sure Life, yeah. The, the powder stuff and yeah. turn on, recirculate, and keep it going. And those fish seemed really happy because I didn't have to worry about it. was only like 80 or 81 degree water. So I didn't have to worry about the whole the ice situation yet. Yeah, not fish. yet. Yeah, because yeah, I capped my live wells. Like for Falcon, I'll probably have my live wells capped in a 20 pound bag of ice and pre treated and have it ready. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's amazing how resilient a bass is. Like, I mean, dude, I, I, I say this kind of sparingly but i mean if you kill one you must have done something pretty damn wrong yeah. because i know at amistad a couple of years ago we caught one on a dt10 a rapala dt10 crankbait and that fish inhaled that crankbait like you're talking about i mean we pulled it we caught the fish and it was about a four pounder and you opened his mouth and all you could see was the plastic bill you couldn't see anything else well, when we went to taking that crankbait out, somehow or another, it flipped on its side and one of the treble hooks went through its gill. And we were like, geez, dude, I don't want to yank that out because I'm like, it's going to kill that fish, you know? Well, it was a trailering event. Weigh-in was at Diablo. We went and put in at Box. So Kyle said, dude, we're not going to cull that fish. It's a four-pounder at Amistad. So I just cut the crankbait off and threw them in the live well. And I said, you know what, when we get back to the truck, Kyle's like, I've got a pair of dikes in the truck. We can cut the, you know, cut the hook and then pull it out without ripping it through. So we threw them in there, kept checking on them, kept checking on them, went and put the boat on the trailer, drove back to Diablo. He goes to get into the back of the truck and we open that live well. That fish is sitting in there upright and the crankbait's just floating on top of the water. <laughs> I don't know how in the hell the fish got the crankbait out, but he got it out. And the fish is sitting there swimming happy and the crankbait's just floating on top of the water. That's some shit. Yeah. That's some shit. I, I, those fish are so hardy, dude, especially when you get the big ones. Yeah. You know, I mean, because realistically, I mean, I don't, y'all caught a 30 pound bag, 33 pound bag. I keep calling it a 30. It's a 33. That's a big difference. But I mean, you know, tournament fish for us, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but like to me, I consider whether we're fishing bass champs or a lead or whatever, you know, if I catch a fish that's three pounds or bigger, I mean, that's a, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. You know, yeah, but, I, just, I just felt bad throwing Logan's fish back. <laughs> yeah, that is true. See, see, that's the sign right there because I never, I enjoy culling my partner's right. fish yeah. because the rest of the day I'm like, dude, you ain't got no fish left in this live well. <laughs> oh, there was, there was, there was, uh, 
there was probably definitely some shit talking going on. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or, or he loads the live well and turns around and looks at you like, uh, are you ever going to put any fish in the boat? You know? Oh, I told him I had to put at least one, and that's when I caught the one on his rod. There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. I mean, so, he did all the work for you, but, right. you know. Hey, so the, the, the funny part is, so the so we get the 33-pound bag, got it, but the, the lunker hunter is where we get second. When I wake him up at 4 in the morning to go fishing, he's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any of my stuff. And I was like, you can just throw all my stuff. And that was the day that he put the whooping on me with all my own equipment. Oh, I bet that <laughs> Yeah, so that's where he taught me a lesson on all of my all, all of my rods. And hey, there ain't well, Jeff. Equipment. Jeff does not have a shortage of rods, oh, dude. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. So yeah. I so like y'all talked a little bit about the crankbait, Jeff. You know, you said you throw in six XDs and eight XDs and the deep diving six cents crankbaits and stuff like that. And you said you predominantly crank with twelve pound test, right? Yeah, twelve and fifteen. Twelve and fifteen. So yeah, that's what y'all were using. So like on y'all's Carolina rig, what? What what what's kind of y'all set up on the Carolina rig? I mean, yeah, what you would you have on? I was going your setup. Oh, the one that yeah, I just got you. Yeah, yeah, the die with the new die with there and stuff. So yeah, so most of the Carolina rigs, if I remember right, I'm throwing the 17 pound of Vizex. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't think I had any 15 pounds left tied on, and then my leader is actually the um, what is that called? The Seaguar Blue Label Fluoro 20. Five pound, twenty or twenty-five. The, a, the actual fluoro leader stuff. Yeah, the yeah. actual spool that you buy a fluoro leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like it. It's worked out well. I haven't had. I've had a lot less like knot slippage or releases, and I, I changed a couple different knots now that I like a lot better for tying those leaders. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine showed me how to tie like swim baits, like expensive swim baits, so you don't lose them. Yeah. And cutting those leaders, so I started using the swim bait knot for my actual Carolina rig. Uh, leader tie on okay cool um just because of my paranoia and, just, and see that that yeah. that sounds pretty similar because like i mean my carolina rig setup that we caught a lot of our fish on is 17 or 20 pound main line depending on what kind of cover and then i'm still kind of old school I, I throw 20 pound mono for my leader 20 pound berkeley big game mono yeah I, I don't know why i just i've always done it i feel like that mono floating Maybe gives the bait a little more action, you know, instead of the fluoro that sinks yeah. to the bottom. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, I guess it's just a confidence thing more than anything else, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, we're fishing open. In this case, we're fishing open water. Um, so I have for- to give the mono, mono a good try. And then we're fishing, like in my case, and we kept switching back and forth between a, a bigger bait and smaller bait. Like that, if you if you haven't thrown the six-inch busa worm like that, it's got that fat front and then that big flaky tail mm-hmm. kind of thing going on, right? A lot of action. But I'm throwing, like, if, if I'm throwing a small bait, I throw a small Carolina um, trailer. Shorter. Like a, a small short trailer, right? Versus if I'm throwing a big bait, I, I try to throw a 24 to 36 inch trail line, right? A, a leader line. Yeah. And I'm throwing three quarter to one ounce. Um, big and, and see, that's what I like yeah. to do. I like, I like throwing three quarter and one ounce. I mean, yeah. there's certain situations I'll downsize to like a yeah. half ounce or something, but I like throwing the big Carolina rig too. You, you want to know something funny though? I got bit. I, I, I swear to you, I got bit two to three times more on the non tungsten Carolina rig pre rig six cents baits than I did on the tungsten. Really? And I, it's got to have something to do with the noise. The, very very possible yeah so the the six sense prefabs have like this little um the clickers the clicker little ring on there yeah mm-hmm. the little brass clickers yep. and, and beads the, that non-tungsten i swear to you makes more noise and when it's popping through there the way i'm popping it 
and I and I credit Mike McCune fishing with him a couple times. Everybody knows in the club he throws Carolina. You can just everybody assumes he's throwing Carolina rig every time. <laughs> so I fished with him a couple times, and he fishes Carolina rig in my opinion pretty fast. Yes. And so I took what he taught me from fishing a couple times, and I've adapted that to a little bit more of my style of a Texas rig and Carolina rig kind, kind of, of taking the best of both worlds. And yeah. And that's what I've done. I've fished with everybody in the club and I'm like, I'm getting beat by all these dudes. I better learn something. There's right? always and, something you can learn. Yep. And so I've just adapted that a little bit and made some changes and I've seen like how stanky fishes and everyone knows, you know, Patrick Amick's out there killing it, you know, before yep. and we all supported him and, Absolutely. And just adjusted that and then watched, I actually watched Logan throw Carolina rig when he was whipping me during Lunker Hunters in the back of the boat. So and see, I just make adjustments. And see, I don't know, I didn't know that much about you a few years ago when you first joined the club, but that's a, it, that's kind of been a big change for you, hadn't it? Because I mean, did you kind of start out as a shallower, fast moving bait kind of guy and then have kind of not morphed, but you've added the offshore thing to your arsenal, right, Jeff? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, the last, uh, I'd say, honestly, the last four months is really where I would say I've perfected some of the offshore stuff for myself um, beyond just, like, certain spots and movement of fish. Like, by all means, the, the wind goes to Logan, like, narrowing down where we're going to be, how we're going to be there, and then figuring out the angles. Like, like we didn't catch all those crankbait fish on – you know, two crankbaits, right? I had yeah. four different crankbaits on the front of the deck. Absolutely. And, then, and he had different stuff. And it, it came down to angle the boat, the color, the depth. Like how how you got lined up and yeah, everything. Everything. And it was amazing, too, because I think the wind that day, and Mike G had made this comment before, like, it was a 180-degree change. Like, in the morning, it was blowing one way, and then, like, halfway through, it blew another way, and then another way. And it was like, dang, what are we doing today? Like, the wind kept changing, and it's like, crazy. Well, that's, like, 75% of the battle, though. Yeah. Like when it comes to fishing and lining up on a spot, dude. Yes, because you can very be, much. You so. can be at the spot, but not lined up correctly. You're not getting shit. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm curious, you know. So you've kind of, you know, adjusted your fishing style. So like Logan, I mean, I I'm friends with you on social media, so I see you posting, catching fish, and fishing the tournaments and stuff. What uh, what is kind of your style? I mean, do you are you a are you an offshore kind of guy, or do you like fishing shallow, or you know, I'm I'm, I'm always curious how good partners you know good teammates when they when they have success you know how y'all are able to mesh if y'all are completely opposites or if y'all you know i'm yeah. just curious well that's a good point me and jeff actually talked about this on the water uh me and him both had talked about how we're both shallow fishermen and i just fished with uh, bobby acosta from locker hunters and yeah he showed me you know some offshore spots and I, I really didn't believe in offshore fishing, especially at Choke, because a couple years back, somebody came out with this uh, story about past 20 foot, Choke Canyon was dead. Were, you know, there was dead water, and you couldn't catch them offshore, so I stuck with the grass fishing. Two years ago, I was pretty consistent catching eight-pounders, you know, nonstop. I had 30 people messaging me every weekend, asking me where I'm fishing, and to be honest, I was fishing at Cali Amboat Ramp, catching all my fish. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've, I've, me and my dad have definitely been shallow fishermen our entire life, and we're trying to transition to the offshore bite. We've noticed, especially after me and Jeff fish, the offshore bite definitely holds a lot bigger quality fish. But I think to get your first five fish, you know, move shallow, do what you're used to, stick to the... And then cull them out. Yep. And then, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize, especially guys that haven't spent a lot of time at Choke, maybe people that listen to this podcast that maybe have never been to Choke. I mean, I'm sure most everybody has, but, you know, Choke's not a very deep lake to begin with. So... You know, it's very easy to be 
offshore, you know, a hundred yards from the bank and you're still only fishing 10 to 14 foot of water as yeah. you know. So I think what happens is a lot of people hear the word offshore and they automatically assume you're fishing 20 to 30 feet of water. And it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily combat to that. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like those fish live in that 20 to 30 foot of water, but when it's time to eat, they're not out there eating in that 20 to 30 foot of water, unless the baits out there, which is very, very few and far between, you know, they're still going to find a shallower hump or something where that bait conjugates on and that's where they're going to go. So I, I personally feel like even, even offshore fishing, when it comes time to feed, you know, I feel like you're still in that 10 to 18 yeah. foot range, you exactly. know? Yeah. I think so. that's, that's what's going to win me angler of the year this year for elite. <laughs> offshore fishing. <clears throat> yeah. So it started at Ivy at the championship when I, when I pushed out and Mike G was like, how, how deep are you fishing when you say you're deep? And I was like, well, I was cranking 15 to 25 feet. He's like, holy crap, dude. And he's like, I'm not fishing that deep when I'm cranking. I was like, I see you all the time fishing deep. He's like, bro, I'm fishing a hump at 10 feet. Yeah. I'm like, no, what are you kidding me? I've been out here like trying to fish deep. So, <laughs> so I don't, so I don't know how, uh, I don't know how much it, it really, I don't know if it even makes sense to people, but I know like when I look at a map, especially to a place I've never been to before, one of the things I look for, and especially like if you have the Navionics app on your phone or if oh, yeah. you've got hummingbird units on your thing, you can go in there and change the water level and you can highlight, you know, zero to 10 foot, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, the different colors. One of the things that I always look for, and like I said, right, wrong, indifferent, it's, it, I have confidence in it, but I try to find the shallowest water that I can that's closest to the deepest water I can, mm -hmm. you know, because I feel like when those fish aren't feeding, they're going to suspend in that 20, 30 foot of water. But if you've got a little flat or a hump or a point or something that's eight to 14, eight to 15 feet deep within 30 yards of there, that's where they're going. And right. I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to swim out deeper. No. You know, they're going to, you know, because we don't, except in the extreme cold in the dead of winter and maybe in the extreme heat in August, that's the only time I feel like that bait gets out there in that 30, 40 foot of water. Hey, so, and then what, what type of bait, right? So you got to watch, like, if people that don't watch weigh-ins, you, you deserve to continue to lose. <laughs> so, and, and what do I, I mean, that's a brutal comment maybe to some, but I watched Mike G weigh in at Stanky's thing, right? And his fish puked up a, a damn near a two-pound crappie, mm -hmm. right? And then I watch Joe Tompkins weigh in at the club tournament, and he gets big bass from 11-15, right? And it pukes up a three-quarter pound brim. If you're not watching what they're eating and what they're throwing up, that's the bait you're looking for. Yeah. You know, people want to talk about graphs and live scope and depth and trees and what are you fishing and bait. We're looking for the big bait. So when we're catching white bass or we're catching drum or, you know, what are, whatever those other weird fish are out there yeah. and stuff, like we're moving around. I'm like, all right, we're hooking too many. Let's, let's move a little. But if you're not seeing bait, and what type of bait? Like, I'm not interested in, in two-inch minnows. Well, I and I agree with that because I, I I think you're onto something there because your five-plus-pound fish aren't aren't feeding on those little two-inch glass minnows. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys are eating once or twice a day. 
they're going and eating a 10 or 12 inch bluegill or a 10 or 12 inch crappie. That's their one big meal. It's the same way down at the coast. Like when I guide, you know, the little mullet, the little mullet that are an inch or two inches, that's not what those big fish are feeding on. If you're, if you're chasing the big ones, like the big bull reds and stuff, dude, they're, they're feeding on mullet that are seven, eight, nine inches long. I mean, we're talking big bait. Yeah. And I, that's where I felt like when Logan and I were talking in the boat and I guess you can't really make that decision unless you're swinging for the fence, like a bass champs or something, and you're trying to make it big. If you don't have a bunch of fish in their live well, I probably would have never been like, Hey, throw the biggest bait we got. Like, let's just well, throw and on that's true. flukes and go for it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, that definitely plays into your decision-making, but at the same time, like at Ivy, I wasn't like at the championship, I wasn't throwing the biggest bait just because I, I was throwing the biggest bait because when you go to Ivy, you throw big bait. Yeah. Like I throw a KVD, uh, top water, I throw the, the mega dog. Like I throw the biggest bait possible because a three pounder or, or a 10 pounder is going to eat it because there's big bait there. Yes. So when you try to match that, match the hatch, yeah. you've got to figure it out. But if you're not fishing near that type of bait and Logan put us on those spots where we're looking for those bait and if the screen's clear, you're in the wrong area. And, and the other thing that I don't think a lot of people understand is when we're talking about fishing tournaments like we are, club tournaments with elite or bash champs or Texas team trail or all these, all these different tournaments we fish, right? These are only one day tournaments. It's a completely different mindset. If we're fishing the Bassmaster elite series and you got to catch fish for four days. So guess what? 14 to 15 pounds a day is good. And you might not go key in on those big 10 inch brim or crappie or whatever. But, you know, I heard a guy say one time, when you talk about like a bass champs tournament, for instance, we are literally fishing a big bass tournament that you're just allowed to keep five of them. And that's kind of the mentality you have to have. I think if you're going to catch those 25, 30, 35 pound bags, you know, because if you're out there just chasing 14, 15 pounds, you're fishing differently than the guys that are catching 25 and 30 pounds. Yeah. And up until now, I think, all my Bass Champs events, I've been fishing for a couple of dollars, not to win. And so that mindset's got to change moving forward. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. Hold on, bring something up that Jeff said, you know, about the bait. We had seven boats around us. And, I mean, every one of them sat still, spot locked, never moved once. Every time he saw the screen disappear, he said, hey, let's move. And we just chased the fish around. Every time we got on bait, we sat there for a minute. And they moved on. So, yep. like I said, if you're not chasing bait, you're not going to catch it. Yeah. No, and that is and that is good because that's key to y'all's pattern that y'all were able to figure out that the guy sitting in the boat next to y'all was just going, oh, look, there's a ledge there. I'm just going to keep fishing this ledge. And you're just aimlessly fishing at that point, even though y'all are out there doing the same thing. You're not even fishing. You're hoping. You're hoping. Exactly. I don't even think those boats around us or the yaks had the baits we had because there's no way they couldn't see them, right? I'm holding an 8XD up next to you, and you're 30 yards away from me. Well, the two guys behind us did pull out smaller frame baits, but they were like 5XDs or something. Yeah. Yeah. And we're grinding. Like, I'm telling you, like, I had to almost – I'm pretty sure the one crankbait's done. Like, I'm grinding the bottom so hard – the one time I missed, like, I don't know if it was the, the seven I caught or the eight, like, because they were back to back. The one I missed on the first cast, like, literally, I'm grinding the bottom and it hit and I was like, and I pulled back to set the hook. I'm like, why am I setting the hook on an 8XD? Like, I pulled back because it was instantaneous, right? You're used to getting a pull and you set the hook. 
And Logan's up there like, yeah, rookie, like way to go. <laughs> I miss that fish and I throw back out and I'm like grinding the bottom. It's like boom, 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 boom. And then it's like gone. And I was like, oh, yeah, just pull back a little bit and there's the fish. But if you aren't grinding the bottom, you're not getting the fish. Yeah, that bottom contact seems to be key with them deep diving crankbaits. Hold on just one second, guys. We're going to reset here. Yeah, Mikey G's over there trying to show Jeff Jones 8XDs, figure out which one it is. Hey, hey which one of them I need just, for Falcon over there? Just point. Oh, yeah, y'all are going to Falcon next. Mikey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, so, Mike G, I just want to let you know right now, officially on the air, I'm dropping 40 on you this weekend. Damn. I call bullshit. Well, it's a two-day <laughs> tournament, guys. Guys, it's a two-day tournament. Hey, hey, Josh, you know, you know, the situation here. Shots they fired. Can't, they can't do that. <laughs> yeah. But, no, that's awesome. So, y'all kind of finished up that last segment, Jeff. You were talking about, you know, the bottom contact with that deep diving crankbait. So, I mean, that's that's really key because I don't think a lot of guys pay attention to that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, they get out there and they throw crankbaits, and it might be hitting some sticks or hitting some stuff. But, I mean, realistically, it sounds like you're telling me that that crankbait is touching the bottom, what, 80% of the cast. I yeah. mean, it, uh, as long as, as long as possible. Yeah. I think, and, and Logan basically taught me that the, the lunker hunters, I think led us into that, in my opinion, like when he was killing it with the Carolina rig. Yeah. Like I was watching him and here's the thing, like, this is what you guys talked about partnerships and, and like working together. Mm -hmm. Logan would be like, I can feel it. Like there's the rocks, there's rocks, there's the ledge. There's, the, there's a, I think I just hit a stick at 12 feet. You know what I mean? And so like that process and then having a fish explode on it and take it. And then I caught a couple really nice fish on jigs um, during lunker hunters. And so that translated to me to like, those are bottom fish type contacts. Yeah. And so what do we do with that? Right. And then he was throwing, I think both that paddle tail zoom worm thing and then into busa worm and started catching those drum and white bass. And like, so things were just like stuck on the bottom. And so that, I mean, and then when Mike G made fun of me for at Ivy for throwing crankbaits in 25 foot of water, saying he wasn't fishing that damn deep, I'm like, I'm like thanks for telling me what deep cranking was. Because when I read the package and it says runs to 22 feet, I thought that meant I was supposed to be at 22 feet. So, so, so I found out when you're in open water and you're in you know 10 to 20 feet and you're throwing an 8xb and you're actually scraping the bottom and. And yeah, I did lose a few baits, but I restocked it at Fish Tackle Marine. So. Hey, y'all mentioned y'all mentioned the deep diving crankbaits, and I got I was able to fish with a guy down at Falcon. Y'all talked about because y'all are going to Falcon, and this guy that I fished with, he was a, he loved throwing crankbaits. And you talked about that bottom contact. Of course, he's an old school guy, so he threw a lot of DD twenty twos, you know, because that was the bait back in the day. Yeah. And dude, he's throwing a DD twenty two in like five foot of water at Falcon. Right. Like he's casting it up to the bank and this thing is just like, like you can see the mud trail coming off the back of the crankbait. Like, I mean, he's just as shallow as he can go. And, gonna put him is, in the boat. and he's hammering them. Yeah, my, I mean, wife was, my wife doesn't like Logan either now because I spent so much money on DTs that I didn't own. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I sold him some rods and reels. Yeah, so his wife doesn't like me either. Oh, you don't want to know about my budget for fishing. No, no. I think so. The I'll put it to you this way: that elite win since the summer of twenty cost me at least thirty thousand just in gear. Jesus what? Christ! Yeah. All right. So, so, so Well, hold on. Have any of y'all seen that meme on Instagram where it's the guy with the beard and his wife's like, 
is everybody spending twelve hundred dollars oh, in yeah. seven days? Oh, and he's yes. like, if you want to catch them, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that's Jeff Jones, you know. Yeah. If, if, I, I if they're it. doing what I'm doing. If, if Will was open 24 seven, uh, his, 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 he is on his website. Yeah. Yeah. I think every time I click everything, it's sold out. Yeah. I have an addiction. It's a problem, but every time, if you admit it, every time I see that meme, it's Jeff Jones. Jeff, Jackhammer Jones. Jackhammer Jones. So they say Jackhammer, but I have at least no kidding. 200, 200 chatterbaits on my wall. Minimum. Hey, Will, Will, if I order something and you don't have it, can you just go get it from Jeff? And and just, hey, Josh, just go to Jones's house, pay me and go to Jones. The cool part about the partnership, though, too, is I would never expect them to be in partners just by looking at them. Hey, it makes casting just, easier because I have a lot of seven foot eleven rods. <laughs> really? Yeah, I just I don't know. You what? got Logan, Oilfield, like you know, Jeff, Air Force. Never would have thought. What's funny is my last partner was Air Force too. I yeah. think I remember Wes. Oh yeah, Wes. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, Wes. Just never would have thought. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. See? Hey, let's just say he gets around, dude. Let's either. just say I almost didn't fish with him after he invited me to dinner because he invited me into his garage and I had to ask if I fish still. So yeah, yeah exactly. No, there, there's no doubt, man. But I, dude, that's awesome. Y'all guys are killing it. Uh, um, Jeff, you're going to Falcon. Logan, you going to Falcon? Or are you yeah. sitting this one out? Sitting this one out. I, I got, got you. traded. You know, it's it's not the back seat is not available. It's it's some people apparently work. For a living, yeah. When they have new kids and yeah. stuff, so <laughs> now well, if there was enough people, I'm with, in elite, you, Logan. I'm would, with you. Yeah, if there was enough people in elite <laughs> that would donate like a, a payroll type bonus thing structure, we could probably get more people in the club that could travel. You know, Most I definitely. still, I still say though, if you're fishing for money, I don't know of another club that you can go fish with and win and actually probably profit for the weekend. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Oh, so thirteen teams, and that's counting like three singles because uh, i think one had a minor with them that doesn't because if you're a yeah. single in elite you only pay 50 right right 100 and then yeah. it's a hundred dollars if you've got two guys in the yeah. boat yeah and this was my my the, so not only did logan and i win but this was my christening of running my mouth weekend for elite so i had to run the scales the paper the money like do everything and, well you're uh, retired now dude that's your yeah, job yeah, yeah i know right <laughs> so so i had some great folks step up and help me out to 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 finish through that and then mike g texts me at the end he was like that's what you get now you're part of elite so but yeah 13 teams and um i think we still we didn't even get big bass and i think we cashed 600, 600. bucks or something yeah like so that. i mean you so figure like crazy i didn't hey, spend that much it's, money it's not often that when we have good turnouts that people are going home for a saturday yeah. afternoon with over a thousand dollars yeah i mean because yeah. if you think Especially about it i mean rigby's putting two kids through college from taking all our money <laughs> <for a couple laughs> years, so. but, you know but but you're right if, if we have a big turnout which realistically right now in bass fishing because it's so expensive i mean a big turnout we'd say is what 20 boats oh yeah, yeah. so but i mean elite pays 50 30 20 right yeah. So if you have so if you have twenty boats show up at a hundred dollars a boat, that's two thousand dollars. They take a little bit out for big bass and stuff like that. But yeah, dude, you're rocking out of there with like nine hundred bucks for a Saturday club yeah. tournament. Plus yeah, a side pot. Yeah. Yeah. Plus pot. plus there's an extra side pot that you can get in. And that's what we won that gave us the little kicker. And and I and I looked at some other clubs. I actually fish uh, another club so I can be Bass Nation qualified. 
and uh, the payout is so low. It's like not worth the gas yeah. to go do it. And then there's some other clubs that fish. Everything's a two-day, and they don't make any money. So you actually lose money to go fish. And it's cool if you want to hang out with folks and do that, but I'd like at least an opportunity to win my gas money back. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because, you know, my partner and I have talked about this. If you go and fish anywhere for a weekend, Choke, Falcon, Amistad, you yeah. know, by the time you pay for your hotel Friday night, Saturday night, your entry fee, I mean, as a team, you're spending $500. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's a $500 weekend. Yeah. And I mean, just to know that even in a little club tournament that, hey, I'm going to get my money back, maybe even have a hundred bucks to get yep. a steak dinner on the way home. I mean, yeah, exactly. And then based on the water level changes, I mean, I drop 150, 200 a tournament on lures. So, I mean, I'm basically <laughs> losing money every tournament. Hey, that's all and right. According though. to your garage wall, you only use like one of those lures per tournament. You stop all the rounds. Yeah, but I carry 35 rods of different lures on this <laughs> one. Just in case. And then I give Will an extra 500 every month from Fish yeah, Aquamarine. That's my membership dues. To, to <laughs> Hey, but you know, you bring up the changing water levels and I think that is what, I think that's why bass fishing in South Texas has struggled the last 10 years. I mean, the last time Falcon was full was 2011. Last time Amistad was full was back 2009, 2010. And I mean, that's when everybody was catching 40 pound bags. Like, I mean, I, you hear the stories about showing up at Bass Champs and them telling you, if you don't have 25 pounds, don't even weigh your fish in. And I think if we could ever catch some water and get those lakes back up, I think you would see a big resurgence in bass fishing in South Texas again. I think those people better be scared of, of Logan and I because <laughs> I'm fishing now while the water's low. So I went to Travis. Uh, last so when week. the water comes up, you're going to be lost. Yeah. <laughs> all your all your 18 offshore. foot spots right now are going to be 48 feet. If anybody needs boat maintenance, I'll uh, copy your electronic card. Yes. The, uh, so no, I finished Travis uh, Tuesday night. So if you haven't been to Travis, I know the water's low. I did the Tuesday night or the other night. Um, most grass I've ever seen in a lake in Texas. Like it is insane how much grass was out there. I've never seen it. We launched at Mansfield Dam. We wandered up to Jonestown, some other area, and it was crazy how much grass is choking that place out. So if you want to go fish grass right now, because Choke doesn't have any, um, yeah, you got to go to Travis Lake. It's crazy. I've never seen that much grass ever. More than, uh, Choke, more than uh, Canyon Lake? More than Canyon Lake. It was crazy how much grass there was. And I literally threw like a spook out there at one point, and these bass just came up out of the grass and destroyed it, and they were just dark as all could be. It was like it was like punching grass at choke again. Damn. It was that much grass. It was crazy. So if, if Travis is fishable, if you run out of Mansfield Dam, just be smart, right? The water's low. Yeah. But here's the thing. Fishing to me is like bowling, golfing. It is so challenging and dynamic of an environment and so many choices of baits, which is why I buy all of them. There's so many variables. <laughs> so, there's so many variables. You have to be willing to go out there. If you're not on the water, you're not winning. Mike G showed that to me a couple of years ago. So, so yeah. uh, if Melissa, if you're listening, I'm going fishing again. So <laughs> we'll figure it out. Well, that's cool. So, uh, but a little on Elite Falcon, where are y'all launching? State Park? County. County. Yep. Or is, you can launch wherever, but that's where the weigh-in is going to be? The weigh-in's going to be at the county ramp. Mike did that, so it ain't far from the house. Highest water since 2018 when I looked it up. Really? It's only 35 feet low. So so you can run from Valeno to the dam now. Yep. Yep. Probably still need to follow the river channel. Oh, yeah. 
probably still a little sketchy, but 35 feet, and dude, that's come street, up a lot. And the word on the yeah. street is tough because the lake came back up. And I've know? never, and I've never caught, I've only fished there one time with the leak my first year in the club, and I've never caught more than, I think, five pounds other than, and that was in tilapia. So, Ooh. <laughs> so I'll restate, I'm going to drop, what, what, what was your and I'm still going to restate, I'm dropping 40 on my name. Ooh. I don't know about that. Try to right. big dick them, I don't know about hey, that. Hey, can I get the side <laughs> pot? <laughs> I take 20 on Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I'm curious to see how that turns what's, out. What's under? I'm calling for a tough tournament. But somebody's going to land on the shallows. You know, when that Falcon Lake comes up, they're going to get back and find some clear water somewhere. Dude, someone, someone's going to find some clear water on a little point back yeah. in like four to six feet of water yeah. or something yeah. like that. They're going to crush them on a square bill yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's going to take 60 pounds, two days over the wing. No. I think so. No. Yeah. I bet. 20 pounds no i bet y'all are gonna think i'm crazy i bet if you catch 16 a day you win so 32 i think 32 pounds will win i think i think like below 35 don't get me wrong somebody's gonna catch a big bag i i wouldn't be i would not be surprised at all if somebody weighs in 24 25 pounds but i think they're not gonna do it two days in a row they'll probably follow it up the next day with like 10 pounds i'm still having nightmares of richard in the back of the boat with you, Mike, oh, yeah? sitting there puffing, throwing a damn drop, drop shot, down. pulling in seven pounders. So nine pounders. The last trip yeah. two nine That's right. They took a ride in my boat. That was the biggest fish ever in my boat was was Mikey G's fish in the back of my boat. <laughs> <laughs> Riding to the live well. <laughs> when was that? I didn't remember that. That was at Falcon the first time. You had your live wells had quit. Oh, and oh then we yeah. transferred all the fish over to my live wells. Because I didn't have anything but tilapia that day. Yeah, because then <laughs> so, that's when we went to Amherstead and your and your pumps weren't working, remember? Yeah. So at Falcon, you guys were down at the dam and, and Richard was slamming them down there with you and then yeah. and then I went over after you left to scope it all out and map it all. And then <laughs> Yep, then we go back whole to the buzzing. dam. Oh, it's, it's not a whole it's budget, a but I'm fishing. It's no. a <laughs> Yeah, I follow Josh Jones too. So we run over there and I, I map the whole area and I'm like, this dude's fishing in 12 inches of water, catching freaking massive fish, all screaming and hollering, jumping up and down the back of the boat. And Richard's back there like, just putting fish in the back of the boat like crazy. We get, over, we get over there to load up down down by the off the mud flat or whatever it is. And he's like, oh, my pumps quit working like these fish, blah, blah, blah. They're huge. And he pulls them up out of there, and I was like, I got plenty of room in my life. Hey, you want to talk about you want to talk about backseaters, dude? Richard with that drop shot, and 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 Tony and Tony dragging around that weightless mag fluke, dude. I fished with Tony a couple of times, and I no lie, dude. You turn around and look, and he's like, Oh, I got one, and you see the fish jump. Dude, that fish is a hundred yards behind the boat. I don't even know how he has that much line on his rod. I mean, but he just sitting, dude, he's sitting back there. The last time I fished with him, this, it was at city, I guess, three or four years ago, he fished with me and he's just sitting there in the back of the boat, smoking on his bait pen. And he just dude, that thing. And he, Oh, I got one. I got one. I turn around and look, I shit you not that thing was 75 yards, 80 yards behind the boat. It just comes jump about a three, four pounder. And I'm going, Holy cow. Just dragging that friggin' mag (laughs) fluke around. Well, I hope Richard didn't lie to me because he's texted me a few times and I, I spent a couple hundred on everything he told me to buy. So. <laughs> well, that's because Will's texting him telling him, hey, dude, I need to move some of these baits out of this tackle shop. <laughs> hey, but that that's that's the thing I like about Will is you come in here and I can honestly say you can go into any tackle shop and you see all the stuff that's on sale and stuff like that. And sometimes you wonder like, 
you know, you walk in and you ask the guy, hey, what are they biting on? Oh, dude, they're biting on this. And it's something that like you've never seen before, <laughs> yeah. some color that doesn't even match. But I, Will's not like that, dude. Will, anybody that walks into this shop, Will's going to, Will is going to give you the most, Will is going to give you the most honest information that he knows at that time. Yeah. And And I mean, that's all you can ask for. And if it's on his walls, it catches fish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And he's got a couple different brands. So yeah, for sure. He can cover what you like. Hell yeah. Well, guys. No, sir. Yeah. 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 Wednesday night, happy hour. But. All right, guys. Well, Jeff, Logan, I can't thank you all enough for coming on the podcast, giving us all the rundown and the lowdown on a 33-pound bag. I mean, that's the biggest bag that's been caught in elite in a long time. Hell, it's the biggest, biggest bag one, that's I been think caught. I think the biggest one in the club. Yeah. It is, yeah, right? I think, really? I think, uh, I, think my, I think he broke the Miami Junior's record. Of the yeah, because y'all had 31 or 32 at Falcon that yeah. the first day, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, dude, yeah. that that's no feat. That's no small feat, man. But yeah. just to have y'all guys come on and help, you know, kind of break it down. I think, like Mikey G's talked about, you hear guys talk sometimes, and you you see guys catch a thirty pound bag, and it leaves you wondering, like, well, I still don't know how they did it or what they did. But I do appreciate y'all guys coming on and breaking it down and helping us, uh, you know, just pass on some knowledge to everybody else that likes the fish. Yeah, thanks for uh... so. Thanks for having us on and always, you know, I hear you guys shout out, but Fish Tackle Marine will host us out here, you know, and uh, you guys hit us up if you want. But tonight we had uh, our buddy in the club, Adrian, cooked up some barbecue and I brought it in for the guys tonight and it was great. So if you ever need some catering services. Absolutely. Catering. I'll uh, I'll post a picture of his business card on the social pages. And of course, always Fish Tackle Marine, Ace Green Graphics, Mikey G. He does all the shirts and stuff for the club and you know a bunch of other places he's done shirts for me for my guide service last call guide service down in rockport but uh man just appreciate y'all guys coming on and we'll get y'all next week later everybody